Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, my co-host Justin Baker. Joining me as we do a deep dive into the top four teams of the Central Division. If uh, if you missed the show last, last week, uh, you missed us deep diving the Vegas Golden Knights, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, geez, who else did we do? We did the, the Edmonton Oilers and the Boston Bruins. That's right. So those four teams, go check out that deep dive. Uh, and as we jump into these four top teams of the Central Division, we've got a good race on our hands. And on top of that, four teams that might add players at the deadline. So it should be fun. Uh, Justin, hi. <laughs> Welcome oh, hi. to uh, Snowpocalypse Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one it's it's funny. Uh for those who don't know, we had a, a major snowstorm maybe um gosh, I don't even know. It was probably a couple weeks ago. We were supposed to get like 15 inches. We only got like 3. Oh, you um, only got 3? Oh, uh, oh, see, I got 12 or 13. Oh goodness. Yeah, we might I mean, honestly, I think we got like about 6 inches. I also li- uh, I mean, I'm I live an hour north of you, so that's true. It's basically a different once you once you get north of fifty nine. If you know anything about Detroit, um, once you get north of fifty nine, it like the weather weather pattern changes. I mean, when I go down, you know, fifty nine is like eight minutes from my house, just south. And mm-hmm. I'll go down to fifty nine, and there'll be any, barely any snow, and then come up, and there's three inches. You know, like it's just there's a big variance for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if White Lake has anything to do with it. I don't think that it's White Lake is big enough to produce like snow effect or anything like that. But <laughs> there is a lot of there are a lot of lakes right by us, and I don't I don't know if that does anything. But or or we just kind of get more of the like Grand Blank kind of weather as opposed to Detroit. So right. But anyways, uh, you made it after an hour and a half drive home from work. Good job. Yeah, great. Three times my normal commute. It's fantastic. Uh, yeah, that's that's brutal. Um, yeah, well, they uh, they said that we were supposed to get like all this this ice and freezing rain, and right. uh, it was supposed to last until the morning. And then, of course, today when I showed up to work, they said, "Oh, it's only supposed to last till like ten o'clock," which is, I mean, better, but still. I mean, yeah, it's better for me because I got to drive to Florida tomorrow. So I know. Uh, but I mean, I'm so sorry for you, but it, it'll be fine. By the time I'm on the road, you know, the, the highways are usually pretty decent, especially 12 hours after the the main snowfalls happen. It's it's all fine. Oh, they already had salt trucks out there the minute I was oh, yeah. on my commute home. So well, and the, and the other ones when when we're in a snowstorm in February, there's already like a blanket of salt out there. So the, right. so it, th- that helps. You know, the first big <laughs> snowfall before they get out there. It can get a little slick because there's uh, there's no there's no base. Um, and speaking of bases, I, I don't know how I don't know how to transition. I, I thought I might have something. I was hoping I for a good one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the Colorado Avalanche are sitting pretty. They finally lost uh, in regulation the other night to Dallas. But I I mean they lost to Dallas, except for they had forty seven shots on goal. And like an expected goals of like four point seven or something. Like just, I mean, they had an they they sh- should have won and they lost four <laughs> one. That's how <laughs> that's how good this team is. I mean, even on nights where they get they they you know every team gets unlucky sometimes. A team steals a game. Kudos to Jake Ottinger for ending that streak for the Dallas Stars. But uh, the Colorado Avalanche, since losing to the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, have. Uh, on December 2nd, they lost 8-3. And since losing, before that Dallas game, they had only lost twice in regulation since December 2nd. Wow. Uh, so this team is on a freaking roll. They've they've outscored their opponents like 115 to 70 <laughs> in those couple months. I mean, they just, they're on an absolute tear. They are, I think, I mean, in terms of a regular season success, they're definitely the number one team in the National Hockey League I means 70 points through 45 games. There's only uh, the Florida Panthers have 69, but they've played two more games. Uh, they're really the only team that's uh, that's pretty close. Tampa, Tampa, 68 and 48 games. So, I mean, Colorado's just been cleaning up. 
Uh, by the time they play their 49th game, it's likely they'll have like 78 points. So, uh, I mean, I look at this team. They don't have a whole lot of cap space. They could probably finagle a little bit. Um, we know they're in the conversation for Claude Giroux. But realistically, what what does it, what can this team do beyond what they're already doing right now? Right. See, that that's the question, too. And, and the other one you have to ask yourself on top of that is, you know, do you want to mess with this this team already, right? They've got these lines that are, are rolling very good. Everybody seems to be playing great hockey up and down that lineup. So do you want to try to upset that chemistry and try to mix things up a little bit, right? You bring in a guy like Giroux, obviously you've got to stick him on your top six somewhere, which, again, I, I look at Colorado and, you know, okay, great. He would probably look really good alongside Kadri, or maybe you move Landeskog down with Kadri, and now you can, you know, shift Giroux up there. Um but still, I mean, I, I don't know if, I mean, again, the price you're going to have to pay to get a guy like Giroux, who can take faceoffs, play on the wing, he's very versatile everywhere at both ends of the ice, and then let alone his cap hit, is it even worth giving up the assets and trying to bring in a guy like that when you could probably go out and get some cheaper options to fill in maybe your bottom six, your back end a little bit more? Um, you know, I don't know. I think for me, if, if I'm looking at this Colorado team, I, I think they need probably a couple things. Now, a, a few weeks ago, I probably would have said they need a, a, a backup goaltender. Maybe they could have targeted Mark Andre Fleury, or, but or just a goaltender, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> right, a healthy but, goaltender. Uh, but but Darcy Kemper has just—he's only gone and uh, he has not lost in regulation since November twenty-sixth against. Funny enough, against Dallas. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's and that's. Uh, an eight, an eighteen game, nineteen game stretch, where he is he's lost in OT once, and he lost in a shootout once. Right. He. I mean, he's looked really good the last you know month and a half. He's basically squashed all concerns about is he going to be the starter, the guy for this team down the stretch. And of course, he is. He's also um, got a, a two game shutout streak going. Right, yeah, looked really good last night against Vegas. I was watching that one, especially just because of Jack Eichel. Sure, um, was a great game. Now, again, besides the goaltending thing, that aside, uh, really the only other thing I could say that could really help this team would be some size on the back end. To me, I think that's maybe the one area where I look at this team and say, okay, if they want to upgrade, and they can probably upgrade pretty cheaply. Um, would be to get some size on the back end. Now you could go after a more expensive trade asset like Ben Sherratt. I think, you know, there's probably 25 teams that are in the, you know, the mix for a playoff spot that would love to have this guy on their roster. Um, But for me, I'm looking at another guy that maybe not a lot of people are talking about, but I think as we get closer to the deadline, you're going to see his name pop up more and more. And that's Calvin DeHaan from the Chicago Blackhawks. That's a good name. Um, I think that's a guy that, yeah, it's a very good name. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a guy because you know, eventually we're going to see Chicago start their fire sale, uh, and it might start with you know Mark Andre Fleury. But at four and a half million dollars, I think there's still some you know wiggle room there for the Abs to fit him in there. Um, he's a guy that brings a lot of size on the back end. He's shown that he's capable of playing some good defensive minutes, and I think you can throw him in there on your third pair and really get some valuable minutes out of him. And he wouldn't be a liability to you at all either. Yeah. Uh, one other name to throw out there too, Colin Miller on the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, it does have a, a heftier contract at $3.8 million. Uh, but, you know, there's there's ways to finagle that. Buffalo could eat half. You could get someone else to eat half, and suddenly he's at 800000 But uh, he would be a guy who... Yeah, you know, seemingly would uh, he would probably fit as a as that that role that you're talking. You know, somebody who can come in and and be that stay at home presence to kind of offset what else you you have, which is a ton of offensive ability from the back end. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Uh, the uh, the one issue for the Avs, right? Only a third, fifth, sixth, and seventh round pick for this next draft. So that that would be. You know that's somewhat of a concern because I mean you don't have a first round pick this year to uh, to deal. One of those picks was uh, for Darcy Kemper, right? And uh, that second round pick I think was what was that? Devin Taves. Devin Taves. So yep, yeah. I mean, 
in in some respects, I, in my opinion, if Colorado did almost nothing, you know, besides the the move where you can bring in the players who are like league minimum type of guys, and you just sh- like you're you're essentially just kind of getting guys just in case injuries happen and you need to throw guys in. Um, outside of those types of moves, I just don't see where Colorado needs to do anything huge. Now, if they can get Claude Giroux in there, I I feel like the only way that's going to happen is if like a Nachushkin is on his way out. Like, where There's going to have to be somebody who's on the roster who is no longer there, who's who's actually making some money. I, I don't really, which, which I mean, you don't really want to trade Nachushkin. He's got 25 points in 32 games. And, uh, I mean, I guess who's your other, I mean, everyone's just clicking. Like <laughs> everyone who's making right. money, who might be a UFA, like Burakovsky, you're not trading him. He's got 36 points. Uh, there's just not a lot of options unless, you know, you're willing to, de- you're willing to part with a player who's under contract beyond this year, which I, you know, maybe a, a JT Comfer, if you wanted to move out somewhat, like he would make sense from Philadelphia's standpoint. Like he's somebody who could come in and and play center, and and you could move him up and down your lineup, and he would kind of, you know, he would he gives you a, a body <laughs> to to go in and play. <laughs> he's got another year left on his contract, which in some respects helps Colorado next off season. Uh, they wouldn't have that sitting there. So, I mean, his three and a half, Giroux cut in half, and I think you'd be there. So may, maybe Comfer somebody. I mean, he's he's not really producing, especially in comparison to his peers on the rest of the team, only 16 points in 36 games. I mean, still a guy who's on, still on pace for over 30 points. It's not like he's a bad player. Uh, and maybe given given more ice, he could, he could put up 45 points probably in a year, but. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, other than that, it, does Colorado go get a goalie? I mean, is there, is there a, a world in which we see them dealing Frank Coos and, and bringing in some other goaltender? No, no, I don't, I don't think there's any reason to go outside of those two guys they have. I mean, Kemper and Frank Coos have been, have been pretty good this last you know month and a half. And so there's really no reason or no question about their ability to be a good duo down the stretch. Now, Maybe again, a lot of teams I've seen, you know, do this in the past over the last couple of years, and we've seen it more and more. The, the importance of it down the stretch, and you might want to go and get yourself a decent third string goaltender. Uh, for example, like in Chicago, right? They or in St. Louis, they've got Bingington and Huso, but they've also got Charlie Lindgren back there, who's been pretty good when called upon. And so again, if Kemper, who's been known to be injured in the past, same with Francus. You know, if you get one or two of these guys go down, you want to make sure you have a decent third goaltender back there to be able to fill in some some tough minutes down the stretch. Um, and so, if that was, you know, if that was maybe the one thing I would look at, you know, maybe you could go get yourself a, a third string guy. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know who at this point you could really go look at, but you know, regardless, maybe you call Devin Dubnik up and you say, hey, you want to come back to Colorado? But there you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> other than that, you know, I mean, again, you could probably find something for a sixth or seventh round pick. A team really just, you know, looking to offload a contract or something like that. So, sure. Okay. Uh, if the Colorado Avalanche lose, if they do not win the cup, what is it that's going to stop them from winning the cup? Yeah. So for me, I mean, again, I, I look at this team and I say, okay, I actually, again, a lot of people are going to consider them the favorites to win the cup. But for me, I want to see them at least go a couple rounds, make some improvements, maybe get to the, to the conference final. That would be a win in my book for this team, especially because, uh, you know, McKinnon, Ranton, and they're still young guys, you know, relatively speaking, but they're right in their prime. So you want to see them take that next step. Now, if they don't win the cup, right. The one thing, like you mentioned, that's going to keep them from winning the cup, in my opinion, is going to be playing with a little bit of grit, right? When they get into those those nitty gritty games where they're they're you know having to grind it out. Now, last night against Vegas was a really good example of that because um, you know they they had to grind it out a little bit. They really couldn't utilize their speed as much as maybe they typically would against some other teams. Now, again, you know Landeskog obviously is going to bring some get grit. Kadri will bring a little bit of that as well. Um, and you hope that maybe some some other guys down the lineup can do that as well. But, uh, you know, like I said, on the back end, that's maybe the one thing they're missing. So I think, you know, assuming that everybody's healthy 
everybody plays a decent game, especially Darcy Kemper and Nett, I think that's the one thing that could really hurt them when they have to grind out those tight one nothing, two to one games, you know, for six, seven games in a playoff series. In fairness, the game that you're referring to, they won. <laughs> they won two nothing. So so they were able they to, to grind it out with them, right? Like it's it's Which not as great. if they And that's 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 a Yeah, but I, I just think that if if it gets down to it that might be the one thing that would hurt them because, again, they, they like to utilize their speed. They like to play fast and up-tempo game. And, um, yeah, you know. absolutely. So if somebody, <laughs> yeah, if somebody can slow them down and, right. and get them playing uh, a game that isn't, isn't speed-based, talent-based, if they're in a, in a grind, which uh, there's a couple teams in this division that could bring that type of game. I mean, Minnesota, they play pretty stinking heavy. They've got some monsters on that team. Uh, St. Louis, we all know that you know they've got guys who can uh, who can play that heavy brand of hockey. Uh, the Nashville Predators too can uh, yep. can lean on you a bit. So I mean, this division is not without its teams that could you know potentially play spoiler to the Avalanche. I mean, uh, right now, if the playoffs were to start today, would is it, I believe it would be Nashville is who they would play. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think it's Nashville because they always what you... now personally. That yeah, Nashville would be would be a great series for sure because I'm excited to see what this this revamped John Hines team can do. Now, honestly, if 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 I had to pick one thing that I think is really going to stop them because I do think after watching last night's game against Vegas, I think they are going to be capable of playing that that grind out type of hockey, playoff hockey. But I think they're going to run into a hot goaltender, right? I think that's the one thing that could just pretty much kill sure. them as far well, as and i guess that's know, like that's any team right like hey right, exactly the you know <laughs> that's how good this colorado team is right right yeah i mean any any goalie gets stupid hot like a halak against the capitals and or a jaguar or something like that like all bets are off but that does not happen nearly as often as i think uh, you know maybe like the lore of that idea when it actually happened, like more often than not, the team that is far superior wins. That's that's generally what happens. I mean, we don't often see uh, the eighth seed sweep the Stanley Cup favorite like we did when the Tampa Bay Lightning like tied the record for most wins in a season and then <laughs> dumped the bed in four games. That was like those things. They're unbelievable because they just don't happen very often. Um, but right, hockey, exactly, hockey's a crazy sport. Uh, well, with that said, let's let's move on to uh, to the Minnesota Wild because they're probably the I'd say out of these four teams, this is the team that eighteen months ago, talking about the Minnesota Wild, we we didn't have them in this type of position. You know, nobody thought they were this good. Uh, I mean, everyone figured that Kirill Kaprizov would be good, but we didn't think that he would be a superstar, and. And that's, you know, it's because a lot of players that come from the K, the KHL, they're touted highly and they end up being like fourth line, <laughs> score 10 goals. <laughs> and, you know, they, they don't end up being all that we are being touted. Um, but Kirill Kaprizov is one of those guys that just ex- has exceeded all expectations. He's been unbelievable. And it has been, I mean, it's just been a, a really good season for this team. Uh, they're getting good goaltending from both Kakinen and and Talbot. Their their defense is uh, the way that they play very stifling, and they play a good team defensive game. Uh, what do you think Bill Guerin's going to do uh, leading up to the trade deadline? Because he actually has almost ten million in cap space for the deadline. Yeah, he's got a good good number of dollars to spend now i mean honestly there's only one thing i think that this team needs and that's a center a top six center for sure i mean don't get me wrong hartman's been doing a great job playing on that top line but when it gets down to it when you get to the playoffs right those teams that don't have dynamic centers don't succeed i mean we've watched it with you know washington st louis tampa they've all had really quality centers down the middle 
And when I look at this team right now, your highest paid center is Joel Erickson Eck, who's playing third line minutes right now. And then behind him, you've got Ryan Hartman. Um, I mean, again, you've got to you've got to fix this. This has been the one problem with Minnesota all year long, in my opinion. And I think they need to try to remedy this sooner rather than later, because I think again, you know, for example, one guy that you know has been already linked to Minnesota has been Claude Drew. You know, obviously he controls his own fate sure. uh, where he goes, and I mean it's already been rumored that he wants to go to one of these top three teams here in the Central. So. Um, you know, any one of these three teams would definitely benefit from him, but I think none more than the Minnesota Wild just because of their lack at the center position. Yeah, but is he uh, is he even a center anymore? Is he going to go – Is he gonna, would he go into Minnesota and play center? I don't know that he would. Mm, yeah, I think he could slide in, no problem. I, he's still one of the I, best I guess in comparison. In yeah, I guess in comparison. I mean, now Frederick Goudreau, I mean, he, the issue at, at center ice is that they don't have any names, right? Like, But Ryan Hartman's played really well. Frederick Goudreau uh, has played very well, especially alongside Kevin Fiala, Matthew Boldy. I mean, these, these guys are producing uh, – much better than I, I think we thought they would, but they, their chemistry, uh, the way that Dean Evison has coached this team and has constructed the lineup is that, hey, Kaprizov's going to be up front and go ahead, put whoever you want with him. He's going to make guys around him better. Same with Kevin Fiala. Fiala has made Boldy and Goudreau better. Uh, Joel Erickson X with Jordan Greenway and Marcus Foligno. I mean, that's a, that's a heavy, heavy big line to play against. Yes, uh, I love that third line for sure. But I, when when you talk about guys like Hartman and who else they have down the center, I I almost compare them to uh, to Chandler Stevenson in Vegas, right? I mean, he was playing great alongside Stone and Pacioretty because, again, he had quality wingers. Sure, so, of sure. course, he's going to succeed. And so I kind of look at that the same way. But, again, if you can get a – I mean, obviously, they're not going to go find themselves a Jack Eichel, but if you can get a quality center – I, that only makes them that much better, in my opinion. And I think they're just going to be tougher to play against. And, um, you know, another name I'm going to throw out there, too, who I think would be a perfect fit, but I think they're going to have a harder time reeling out of his current team because they're still in contention for a playoff spot, and that's Joe Pavelski. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a guy that wouldn't fit better in this this Minnesota team up at that top line. The way he likes to grind out, he's a fantastic faceoff guy. But, you know, again, Dallas is right in the thick of things. They're in the bubble. There are only a few points. I mean, you know, I think what? I think they were six or eight points behind Nashville and they two games at hand. So, you know, again, they're right in the thick of it. But, you know, again, I think it's going to come down to the wire with Dallas before they start to sell off their assets. So that's why he might be a little bit harder to get. But, I, I again, I, I think Pavelski would be the perfect fit in Minnesota. Okay, yeah. I mean, and one other, just, just an, almost an aside – for the wild, uh, Nick Bukestad is actually ready to return. Uh, he broke his finger, right, and uh, and he hasn't been playing. So that that is a that's a big help. I mean, Bukestad isn't going to put you up big points, but he's certainly somebody who uh, you know he's responsible. He can play in your third and fourth line. Um, can chip in the odd goal. So Bukestad is healthy. Uh, and ready to go here pretty soon. So that that at least you know that's that's depth in the in the postseason is huge, and you know we're talking about a position of weakness. So to ha- if you don't have the superstar at that position, you better have lots of depth so you can keep plugging and playing. Uh, sure. So so with his return, that's that's beneficial. Um, I I would say you know I guess if there's one player that the Wild could deal and. And maybe like if they really wanted to do something uh, crazy with uh, with Claude Giroux, and they they don't need to retain salary, like if that were a possibility, and Victor Rask went the other way, uh, you know, and then and then Victor Rask gets flipped for something else by the Flyers, something like that. Where I mean, it's not going to be just Victor Rask, uh, but Victor Rask is is not having a a terrible season. Uh, 13 points in 29 games, but I think that it, you know, it could be beneficial for everybody to cut bait there because he, he hasn't been that great uh, during his time in Minnesota and he's making 4 million bucks. He's a free agent at the end of this year. He's not going to be re-signed. So 
maybe it's, you know, if they can, instead of having salary retained, could include Rask there. And then, you know, the Flyers can retain $2 million bucks on Rask, and suddenly he's a, he's an asset. Flip him for a third-round pick. Uh, and, you know, a team is going to jump at Rask, who, who maybe is a, a third-line center for somebody. Oh, that's, I mean, Minnesota could do a ton here. I mean, they could also bring in a defenseman as well. I mean, Ben, Chir- ben Chirot, I mean, you talk about uh, a guy who would fit somewhere really well. Yes, their back, their back end is pretty loaded, but sometimes it's these teams with, with a position of strength and they just go out and bolster it even more. And uh, I, I could see it happening. I could see Minnesota being in on Ben Chirot too, because uh, I mean, one of these guys go down for Minnesota and, you know, suddenly you're, you're, you've got an issue. So if you've got that backup, you've got Ben Sherratt in the playoffs, you just know someone's going down and you wouldn't have that as a concern. Yeah. I mean, I will say defensive depth never hurts at all. Um, I mean, obviously their top four is pretty solidified with Golgowski, Dumba, Brodine and, and Spurgeon. But again, like you mentioned, having that depth on D is not going to hurt you at all, especially if one of those guys go down. Right. Um, anything with goaltending? Are, are you uh, are you concerned? Do you think that they'll go out and try to snag Mark Andre Fleury or something? No, no, no. I feel comfortable with this goaltending squad, just like I just like I did with Colorado. I'm I'm okay with it. Now, if they want to go out and maybe try to get themselves a you know a third stringer, but they've got Zach, Zane McIntyre, Hunter Jones that they can always call up. But again, but I, does does I acquiring Mark Andre Fleury make this te- turn this team into a legitimate Stanley Cup contenders? Would he make you know, that I, much of a difference? No, I don't think he's going to elevate this team that much more. For example, like a Washington, right, who really lacks a quality number one, just true number one, right? Um, you know, he would probably put them over to that next level. Uh, Minnesota, not so much. I mean, yes, I, I, I do think when it comes down to a playoff series, if I had to choose between Talbot and Flurry, of course, I'm going to take Flurry. But is he that much better? No. And the assets you're going to have to give up and, you know, try to squeeze it. I mean, again, they've got the cap room, but the assets they have, have the to cap room, to get yeah. a guy like Flurry, I don't think it's worth it in my mind. I'd rather spend those assets somewhere else to try to find myself a center. Okay. Yeah, I, I I would agree the center position is has gotta be I mean, if they could if they could get Giroux, especially since you've got the cap space and you, like you do have you do have some assets that you can deal. Um they've got all their picks other than their seventh round pick. Uh I think that's a that's a big advantage over a team like Colorado who, you know, you're gonna have to wait an extra year to get their first round pick and oh, by the way, Colorado might win the cup anyway. If they don't win it this year, they might win it next year. Like whereas Minnesota is probably more of a I won't say a long shot, but you know, if if you've got your uh maybe your like top three, top four teams who are like, all right, this team could win like the chances of it not being one of these three teams that win it are small. I mean, you know, we're I think you throw Florida, Tampa, Colorado, and maybe Carolina in that uh in that group of like, hey, here's four teams that one of those four should probably win the cup. And then the next group's probably like Pittsburgh, Toronto, uh Calgary, Vegas, Minnesota is probably in that, and then is in that second group. I, I guess Vegas it, when everyone's healthy and uh, Mark Stone comes off LTIR in the playoffs. Um, hashtag nine and a half million over the cap this time. <laughs> so, uh, I guess Vegas is pretty darn good. They they might be in that that top group, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't think Minnesota. All that to be said, I don't think Minnesota is in the top tier. They're not at the. They're not the the top three, four elite teams in the league, but they're the next one. They're that next tier in my mind. Yeah. So yeah. With with that said, I mean, there's at least a better chance that your pick is like somewhere in the twenties rather than thirty two. Which is, you know, if, of true. course, if you could if you can trade your player to a team and and you're like, well, I mean. Uh, they're not going to win a cup, so that's fine. That's fine with us. That's what we want <laughs> is for them not to win a cup uh, so that we have a better pick. <clears throat> and then that's when they win the cup. 
Um, okay, are we good with Minnesota? We move on to Love the Blues. It. Okay, uh, the St. Louis Blues. I mean, this team has been kind of uh, a, I'd say a little bit up and down uh, throughout the year. Their road record. Uh, just 10, 8, and 3. They haven't been great on the road. At home, they've been phenomenal, 18, 6, and 2. Uh, Jordan Binnington continues to kind of struggle here as Vili Huso makes a case for himself that he should be the number one goaltender. And to me, that's the biggest story for the St. Louis Blues right now. Yeah, it's, it's hard to disagree with that. And as much as I'd like to say, you know, go out and get an asset, right, get another goaltender, I mean, honestly, with Billy Huso, uh, you've got you know Lindgren playing good hockey. The five games he was up, he was putting up a 9.58 save percentage. So really, it's just you got to find a way. You got to get Bingington in those those soft games like tonight against Montreal, right? I don't know if he's starting. It's, I, I think I saw Huso Huso starting tonight. Actually, okay. <laughs> I was going to say those are the games you have to get him in there to help try to build his confidence because he's been letting in six, seven goals like like nobody's business every game. And so you have to find a way to get him back on board. Now, again, I'm not expecting him to be the starter for the rest of the year or even in the playoffs right now, in my opinion, it's Huso's net to lose. But, you know, again, you really don't, I mean, you really don't have space to, to go out and get a goaltender that, that really is that much better than, than Bingington. Right. Um, you know, outside of like a, a third string goaltender is really all the cap space you have room for. So, unless you move out some big money or you convince a team to maybe, I mean, hell, if they really take, you know, a, a crack at it and try to trade Bingington, right? I mean, he's obviously at his lowest value ever, but that would solve your, your cap space issues right there of trying to fit somebody in. But yeah, I, I mean, again, not going to happen. I don't think that it's necessarily about trading Bennington. I mean, I, uh, a, that's not going to oh, happen no, no, right no. now, but not going to happen. Right? Um, and I mean, it's, it's more the, the dilemma it's it's this like Roberto Luongo Corey Schneider issue in some respects. Although Corey Schneider was an RFA, but uh, you know Luongo was was locked up for a long time, and you had Corey Schneider who was outplaying Luongo, but you knew that Corey Schneider was probably going to be gone the following year, and so you're left with this like, well, this guy's going to be on the bench. Like it's the same as uh, Bobrovsky and Drieger, right? Like. Well, sure. I mean, we know Drieger's going to be gone. He's probably going to Seattle, and what, lo and behold, he does. But he's playing better. We can't very well be playing Bobrovsky if we want to win, and so they don't. And it actually worked out great for Florida. I mean, Bobrovsky figured his life out, and now everything's good. But, uh, you know, I think you got to go. You got to ride the guy who's playing well because it's not even like Bennington is, you know, all right, he's he's uh, point – Point zero five points behind, or, or like he he's nowhere in the same universe as Billy Huso right now. I mean, we're right. a one eight five nine three nine save percentage through seventeen games for Huso, and a three thirty five goals against with an eight ninety eight save percentage. I mean, he's he's four and a half percent better <laughs> from a save percentage perspective. I mean, that's. That's they're yeah they're they're just in a different universe and that's uh that's an issue they're still going back to Bennington I, I know they want to make it work and they they need to make it work because he needs to be they need to be able to rely on him for the next six years five years well, after right. this he's the guy that won you the cup right so you want him to be the guy in the playoffs yeah yeah and you know he's it's in there somewhere it's just uh, not happening right now uh, yeah outside of the the goaltending position. Uh, is there anywhere that you think the Blues will add? Yeah, I think obviously their their forward group is phenomenal. I like everything about it when healthy. Their top nine is, I mean, you've got David Perron, who's close to a point per game on that third line. Brendan Saad's looking good right now. Um, so again, top to bottom on that forward group is good. I don't change a thing. Uh, but what I would like to look at if I'm St. Louis and, and maybe looking to add something, that's somebody to play alongside Colton Perenko on that left side, right? I mean, obviously, Tory Krug and Justin Falk have looked good together, together this year. But again, it, you know, really, they've been, you know, mixing up partners with Parenko all year long. And I think you need to find, you know, potentially somebody who can come in and fill in on that left slot. Now, again, does he have to have term? No, not necessarily. But, you know, obviously, ideally, St. Louis would love to find somebody with term. But I think you could go out and cheaply acquire, I mean, not maybe cheaply, but 
you know, without spending a ton, without having to give up a first-round pick, you could find a guy to, to slot in there. Like, for example, a Mark Giordano, right, a guy who's played big minutes before in big situations. You could probably snag him for less than a first. You think uh, so? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I you think don't think probably so? go for less one than a team is going to give up a first-round pick for Mark Giordano? I, you know what? I, I think it's really hard unless, you know, because I think teams like that are going to go after other guys like a, a Jonathan Kleinberg, right, a guy with, you know, um, a little bit more to his game, a lot younger player right now. I think teams will be willing to spend the first on a guy like that versus a guy like Mark Giordano. And, um, you know, he'll definitely get a second-round pick plus some, but again, you know, the market could change, right? I could be completely wrong. Someone could go out and trade for a guy like Jacob Chikrin and spend three first-round picks and, you True. know, two other pieces. And then, of course, Giordano's value goes up because of it. So, um, Yeah, and, and a lot of it could, could depend on whether or not the Ducks decide that they need to trade either Lindholm or Manson. That that, that will throw a big wrench into into the defensive game. Yep, without a doubt. So maybe a Ben Chirot, too. There's another guy again. He sure. might get close to the left first side. Pick. He can yeah, actually play but, both. Yeah, but he would be a great fit, I think, with Parenko. Yeah, I mean, you just you need somebody who can play pretty big minutes uh, to play with with Colton Parego. I mean, uh, it's too bad Anaheim is uh, is so good is has been doing well because you know Hampus Lindholm. I feel like he that guy is St. Louis Blues material, like. You know, I look at his game and I, I see somebody who like, oh, I could see that guy playing on the Blues, uh, the way that they play, the way that he plays. Uh, yeah, I mean, so so the I mean the back end is is definitely the the spot for concern for the Blues because really, if somebody in that top four goes down, I mean, you, you're really hurting, and that's, I mean, it's not guaranteed, but the chances of something happening are are there, and that's. Uh, you know what your your whole team kind of rests on is the all four of those guys staying healthy is what you need, and that's not easy on the back end. Defensemen go down on the regular, and especially the way that they play. Uh, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot other player. I mean that that you would want to slot with Pareko. That that that's the difficult thing is that you. It's not as if you're just going to go out and get a depth guy to play along Pareko. You know, he, right. you got to have somebody with uh, with pretty good talent, uh, probably like someone else who can also move the puck, uh, or is just incredibly responsible in the back end. Uh, you know, could if you're looking to bring in a left side defenseman, I mean, there are there are certainly defensemen out there, but whether or not they're you know, you're looking at somebody and saying, yeah, let's you know, let's go and uh, and bring in uh like Robert Hag from the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, I don't think that's somebody you want playing alongside Pareko. You you would want that for your bottom bottom pairing. And that that's where it becomes more difficult when you're trying to find someone a pairing as opposed to just adding depth because you got to have somebody who probably who certainly definitely plays the left side and uh and they have to be good enough to play 23-ish minutes a game. And there aren't very many of those guys on the, <laughs> on the block right now. Uh, maybe only Giordano is, is the only one out there right now, and, and Sherratt. So yeah, another name I'll throw out picks. there too that um, you know, again, not having the best of seasons, but prior to this year was was looking easily like a top four defenseman, you know, on the regular, and that's Nick Letty. Um, yeah, he could potentially slide in there, but and I don't think he would cost as much as some of those other guys either. So. That could be uh, a name to look at, but of course, money would have to go back the other way. And I don't think, you know, again, a team like Detroit wants to take on a contract like, for example, Scandellas, um, who's going to probably most likely be a casualty of this situation, but will also get you maybe a higher draft pick in return because of it. Yeah, uh, one name that I wanted to uh, to throw out for uh, for the the Blues and the and kind of the Predators. Um, they're they're not no one no one's talking about this name yet because they're technically still in the playoff hunt. But I think that the Winnipeg Jets uh, are going to keep on falling, and by the time the trade deadline comes about, I, I think we're probably looking at once again Paul Stastny 
being dealt at the trade deadline. I believe that's happened at least, it's had to have happened at least, uh, what? Well, I guess it happened once. <laughs> I, feel, yeah. I feel like it's it's always been rumored, right? But uh, yeah, I guess he was he was traded from St. Louis to Winnipeg in seventeen eighteen, and since then, you know, he's played for the the Golden Knights. He's and he's also gone back to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, he's had a pretty good season, and for St. Louis, I mean, to be able to add someone like Paul Stastny, who you're familiar with, he's familiar with your organization. Uh, it's it's within the division. I don't think Winnipeg would really care uh, if they're going to miss the playoffs. Uh, he's reasonably affordable, and I, my guess is that he would go there. He, he doesn't have any kind of no move, but you know, a guy who's thirty six and has been around, you're gonna you're gonna ask him if he what he thinks probably, and I, I would guess that he wouldn't mind going there. Yeah, I think Minnesota would be another great spot for him as well. Who he could get top six minutes again playing down the middle. I mean, he's been playing on the wing most of the season now with Winnipeg, but uh, not unfamiliar to the center role. Yeah, and Winnipeg's kind of boring because <laughs> even if they are bad, like he's, I mean, him and Andrew Kopp are the only two guys who you're probably looking at and saying, okay, yeah, he could get dealt. Maybe Nathan Boulier, but uh, that's an inconsequential type of player. Um, so they're, they're kind of boring. Like they were one of the teams that I think a lot of people had in the playoffs or pretty darn close. Uh, they're not necessarily out of it, like I said, but uh, they are a team where I think a lot of teams would like to have a couple guys on their team, but there's no one close to contracts ending. So uh, that kind of makes them a little less exciting, unfortunately. Sure. Um, okay. Well, let's go to the Nashville Predators um, who have been maybe the biggest surprise of the year because uh, not they're not like, you know, Anaheim, they were doing real well. It looked like they were in the playoff position, and but really they weren't because they <laughs> so many games in hand for the teams behind them, and uh, they just have not kept pace. Uh, really, technically, they have lost four more games than they've won, so but they haven't been great. Um, L.A. is kind of in that same boat, uh, but L.A. has got a couple of games in hand on the Ducks. Uh Maybe one of those two teams make the playoffs. It's probably a toss-up. L.A., Anaheim, Dallas. Uh, prob- likely one of those three teams will end up making the playoffs. But Nashville looks like the, they'll they'll make it. I mean, barring a, a brutal collapse, which they have lost three in a row, but barring a brutal collapse, they uh, they should be able to, to sneak in here. Uh, since this team is such a surprise, do you, like, what do we expect here from the Predators because I, I I don't think they think they're going to win the cup but do you owe it to these guys who have had such a good season to go out and bolster the lineup yeah that's that's a good question because I think you know what you're concerned with especially with a guy like Philip Forsberg who is a UFA and you could potentially lose him after this season for nothing because again I don't think they're going to trade him at the deadline because they're going to be in the playoff on and I do think they will make the playoffs, but I think you have to make some sort of splashy move to say to a guy like Forsberg to say, "Hey, you know what? We're we're in this. We're gonna, you know, we really think we we can contend, and I think we think we can contend for years to come. Especially, you know, you hope that you know guys like Johansson, Duchesne, and Grainley can keep up this success they've had this year uh, under Heinz's system, and maybe you know adding a piece in the off season because you do have a lot of cap space." You hope that maybe things can turn around and uh, continue to have this success, especially with you know teams like Colorado and St. Louis not looking like they're really going anywhere anytime soon. But um, you know, for me, I think if you want to make any kind of splash at all, you have to go out and get yourself a scoring winger, right? You have to get somebody who can score you some goals because uh, really they they've got a lot of grit, they've got a lot of toughness on the wing, they've got some good centers, but they really lack guys who can who can put the puck in the back of the net outside of you know Forsberg in my opinion, on the wing. And so, to me, that's the one area I would like to see them make an improvement on. Okay. Here's my trade proposal. All right. Give it to me. Uh, San Jose Sharks and Tomas Hurdle. Uh, kind of after uh, the the acting general manager for the Sharks basically said, yeah, I mean, we're, we want him to stay. He wants to stay. Uh, Tomas Hurdle was like, uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he can't, you know, in, in maybe fewer words, but uh, or in different words, but basically, kind of said, 
you know, I, I, there's no guarantee that I'm staying here. I mean, that, that's, that's a, it's not a foregone conclusion. Uh, and I'm thinking, all right, San Jose, you know, you're, you're, you're living the California life and Nashville, they call it little Hollywood. So it's got its, uh, it's got its California feel, its vibe, uh, lots of good music. Tomas Hurdle would fit beautifully with the Nashville Predators. Not only can they trade for him, but they would have the opportunity to sign him. And I think that he would be a wonderful addition. Uh, you re-sign Philip Forsberg. You sign Tomas Hurdle next season. They've got the cap space to do both. Uh I mean, I could see him being a fantastic fit, whether it's, you know, that second line center or, or he becomes their first line center. Uh, really, this team, yeah, maybe they don't have a superstar at the center position, but going down the lineup, Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, Tomas Hurdle, Michael Granlin, like these guys that can all play center, they all don't have to play center all the time, uh, but they certainly have the ability to. Um, and, I mean, I for Tomas Hurdle... I would expect that it would take a first round pick plus plus some kind of like maybe a B a B level prospect. Um, oh, I think it's going to take much more than that. I mean, you look at what Tyler Tufoli just got. He got four pieces and and if I'm picking between Hurdle and Tyler Tufoli, I'm taking Tomas Hurdle all day just because he can play at the center position. So, I think it's at least for, you know, I think at least you're going to have to give up this year's first round at least a second round pick and then probably two pieces, maybe a roster guy and, and a maybe a B prospect. Yes. But, um, you could throw in an Ely Tolvanen in that, in that mix, maybe a, a Luke Coonan. Um, There's no way talking. they're trading Luke Coonan right now. <laughs> I, I don't know if, if you think you can re-sign hurdle and get him in there, I would say go for it really. Hmm. And then maybe, you know, again, you could go a little bit further down the line and maybe throw in a, a Cody glass there in that mix too. And, and yeah. you know, yeah, him, but. Cody glass was kind of a guy. I mean, he's, he's ripping up the AHL right now. He's got 36 points in 41 games. He's playing well down there. And, uh, you know, maybe he's somebody who could go to the sharks and, and play well. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I think that Tomas Hurdle is a good fit. I, I, yes, the, the Tyler to deal was they, I mean, the Calgary flames gave up a lot for Tyler to uh, and Tyler Toffoli now, I guess I mean he's about as good of a goal scorer as uh, as Tomas Hurdle, eh? So uh, yeah, Toffoli plays a great two way game, and he, I mean, another reason why Calgary wanted to give up so much is, uh, you know, he's got familiarity there with Suter in L A, and so there's just that, you know, that chemistry that they already have. They know what kind of game you know is expected out of him. So sure. yeah, he's uh, played for Daryl Sutter before, and right. Yeah, the, I mean they. So for for him, they you know Tyler Tyler Pitlick, okay, roster player Tyler Pitlick, but I mean, come on, Tyler Pitlick's not really a roster. Like <laughs> he's he's a fourth line a fourth line plug. He's got two points in twenty five games, both assists. Uh, the 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 prospect that they got, ML uh, Heineman, he was taken in the uh, second round by the Florida Panthers twenty twenty. Uh, I guess I would say that that that's probably pretty similar to what it would take to get uh, Tomas Hurdle. Uh, so if you were to do a, a first, because they gave a first and a fifth with the two picks, I, I wouldn't think that a first and a second you're going to give up much more than that. I don't know for a guy that can score goals, and uh, you know, again, if you think you can sign him in the off season, I mean, why not? Right? I mean. Because again, you have to assume Nashville. You know, I mean, they're they're probably going to face off against Colorado in the first round. And as much as I hate to say it, you need the firepower if you're going to withstand that juggernaut. And you know, if they if they want to have a chance at re-signing Philip Forsberg and not letting him go somewhere else, I say go all in right now. Because you know, again, that's it's going to be a mid to you know twenties, you know, pick your first round pick anyways. And same with that second round. So. I say why not, right? Because your chances of finding a quality player like Tomas Hurdle with that type of pick anyways is is going to be, you know, rolling dice at that point. So Yeah, and, and I don't know. It, it, Nashville's advantage is that they they have a lot of cap space, in, especially in comparison to these top teams. I mean, I, between 
Colorado, Florida, Toronto, St. Louis, Carolina, Pittsburgh. Like I think there's there's like a total of like three hundred and something thousand uh, in terms of cap space. Like less than four hundred thousand dollars in cap space for so many, so many teams on here uh, combined. I mean, there's just isn't much uh, in terms of playoff teams. Teams that are in the playoffs right now that have cap space. The L.A. Kings that have more than uh, we'll say we'll say more than nine hundred thousand in cap space. The L.A. Kings, the Boston Bruins, Minnesota Wild, the New York Rangers, the Nashville Predators. That's it. Those are the only teams with more than nine hundred thousand in cap space. That's crazy. <laughs> and uh, and and the next highest team is the Calgary Flames, and they have one hundred seventy-four thousand in cap space. Uh, I guess Colorado, Colorado has two hundred eighty-two thousand. So. Uh, it's it's not much. There's not much going there. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> I, I mean, that's where they have the advantage is that they can uh, they can trade and not have to trade off their roster because they don't need to lose salary. Unless everyone just starts putting players on LTIR, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of LTIR, so what I will say, another name you could throw out there for Nashville that I think would be a good fit, and because of this team's desperation with cap issues coming down the the stretch here especially if mark stone comes back you could potentially pluck a riley smith or maybe a jonathan marshall still one of those guys uh Evgeny dead enough maybe you could get one of these guys for probably fairly cheaper than a, i mean definitely cheaper than a guy like tyler tufoli you know but um i'll say this know, justin there is no way mark stone is coming back until the first game of the playoffs I agree with you. I do, but absolutely what I, what no. I and hear, they won't. They're not going to trade anyone off their roster. I don't think. I, I wouldn't think uh, that they would. Well, if Alec Martinez comes back, they're going to have to move some. some no, money. they can. They can still do it right now. Even no even way. with him, they've got five. They've got five million, five point one million. Mm. And, and he's at he's at what five five point two five. So yeah, I mean they they need to. They need they need a hundred thousand in cap space to bring him back, which that just you just send somebody down who sure. you're not using, right? So they they can bring him back up, no problem. That that was that was the beauty of Mark Stone going on LTIR was that it allows them to bring back Eichel and Martinez in one foul swoop. Boy, I hope it's you're happening, right, dude. It's it is happening. <laughs> that is exactly how it's happening the, now. The, what I will say, the NHL though. They are being a lot more. I did hear today. Elliot Friedman came out. And he was he was being asked about this, and uh, he did say the NHL is doing their due diligence when it comes to this a lot more seriously now. Uh, they basically have already, I guess, um, you know, last year when it was I think it was Kucherov yeah. who came back at game one. They said they you know they basically had three different doctors checking up with him on the regular. Uh, the NHL is basically going to be checking up on Mark Stone. Yep. I, I would assume almost weekly, if not every few weeks, just to see where he's at. Because again, you want to make sure that you know everything's on the up and up, and they're just not. You know, it's one thing to give a guy a few extra games, but it's another to give a guy a few extra months, right? Sure. Yeah. And uh, I, I mean, I think what you'll see because what the the amount of days that you have to be out if you go on LTIR is like twenty twenty one days, or so, I think. Yeah, ten games or twenty four days. Twenty four days. Uh, so they yep. they they are already going like now he's on LTIR now in 24 days the league's doctors will check on him again um, and my guess is yep. it'll be on that like somewhat of a that type of scale every three weeks or so he'll have to go and prove that he's still hurt uh, for another three weeks which dude with back issues you can't tell a guy he's not having back back issues uh, I mean yeah that one is tough. It's, yeah, it's, it's for him, very he's been hard. Having problems all year, right? It's not well. And here, here's my thing: it's not as if, like, Mark Stone being out and bringing Jack Eichel back in. It's not as if they're suddenly so much better because of this. I mean, yes, if he come when he when and if he comes back in the playoffs, they will be much better. Uh, but in the regular season. I'd say that it's a relative wash. I mean, Mark Stone was the top 10 Hart Trophy candidate last year. I mean, this is not a a, a bum player being sat down uh, for cap space. So, I mean, it's they're they're also losing out by not having him, right? So, 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's one of the best two-way guys in the game. And, yeah, obviously he brings that defensiveness that, you know, a guy like Eichel doesn't have. But Eichel will also bring that, you know, basically game-breaker ability that Mark Stone doesn't have, right? I mean, not to say that Mark Stone can't drive a game or drive a line, but Eichel takes it to a whole nother level that I I don't think we've ever seen from Mark Stone. But, again, we don't even know if a guy like Jack Eichel is going to be 100% at any point this year. Yeah, we don't so, know how long it's going to take him to get back into uh... – into this, you know, into game shape, we'll say. I mean, you can right. you can look as as you can look like a freaking king in practice. What happens in a game? Um, and guys know that you're. I mean, I don't think that people are like, oh, he's got a he's got a disc replacement. Let's target the disc. Uh, but they're <laughs> they're certainly you know not going to hold back uh, laying the body on him. So we'll uh, we'll see about that. But I I do think. Back to the Nashville Predators. Uh, <laughs> I, Nashville, to me, they shouldn't. I don't know that I would go. I, I'd be hesitant to trade my first round pick. But if they do, Tomas Hurdle should be the only player that they trade their first round pick for. He would be a wonderful <laughs> fit there. And and he, the only way you do it is if you know that he's going to resign there. Because because Nashville, I mean, yes. This season has gone really well, but you know what? Last season went really horribly, and it's not as if this the makeup of this team is that different from last year. Sure, sure. Now, here's another name that obviously I think is going to cost you, you know, much more than a uh, first round pick. But Frank Cervelli on Daily Faceoff just came out with an article today, and he just added Brock Besser to his trade board. At number six, and so apparently the trade chatter around the newly assembled uh, regime, basically, um, gosh, you know, because he's due a large qualifying offer this summer, he's be- almost become a prime candidate to to go on the move. I mean, there's been talks to JT Miller, but I I wouldn't trade JT Miller from Vancouver. I would want to keep him around, especially because he's already under contract. At such yeah, you a can always trade him rate. next year at the deadline, and right, but Brock Besser. I mean, is he a guy that maybe if you're in Nashville, you look and say, you know what, let's let's make a play on this guy if he's available. If Vancouver's far and out of it, you know, in a in a few weeks, do you maybe, you know, I, again, I would completely throw my first round pick draft, you know, at sure. him. But, yes, somebody who know. somebody who you know you have control uh, of for multiple years after right. this. Yep. Yeah, that would be an interesting acquisition for Nashville. I mean, they it's. It's been a minute since they've had a guy like Brock Besser. Right. Maybe he doesn't fit that that Nashville mold, you know, specifically, but I think you could find a way to get him involved and uh, have him scoring some goals. Right, exactly. (laughs) Bring a little something different to the table. Yeah. Yeah. I mean and Vancouver and we'll we'll hit Vancouver. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll do lots of Pacific, maybe we'll just do the Pacific division, some, some teams in there, uh, for next show. But, uh, Vancouver, of course, I mean, they're in the, uh, some kind of mode, a retool, a revamping mode. I don't know if, if we're, you know, we'd go as far to say that they're going to try and rebuild. Um, I think it'll be a retool just kind of trying to figure out what works here. Um, but I would say that almost everyone is on the table there because of that. Like none of these players were drafted by this current regime. So that that automatically makes it so that, you know, maybe outside of Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, I'd say everybody's on the table. And I mean, maybe even Elias Pettersson. I don't know. He hasn't had a great year. And I, I mean, I would think it would be really difficult. It would cost a fortune. And that's not going to happen at the deadline, <laughs> even right. if it did. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's probably on the table here. Yeah, I might I might uh, call Demco safe. But uh, outside of that, sure. yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm almost too. with you on that one. Yeah, it's funny. We went through this stage of like, ah, you can get a goalie anywhere. To now, people are like, oh my gosh, we can't. You can't find a good goalie anywhere on the free agent market. Uh, the Edmonton's the, kicking themselves after last year. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the team. It, it's one thing. Like, there's some teams who have two really good goalies, and there's some teams that cannot find. Like, no matter who they sign, no matter how good a season they had in the past, they just can't seem to find a goalie or that goalie gets hurt all the time. IE Mike Smith. Uh, <laughs> that guy is like the vase that you've 
broken three times and hot glued back together and all it takes is somebody to burp loud and the thing cracks open again uh i mean i i hope he's he's a he is the most unique goaltender left in the nhl in my opinion i mean there's there's no one else like mike smith in the national hockey league and uh probably the last of like the old guard in terms of goalies that are fantastic at playing the puck and just play a, a weird style. Like goalies are becoming much more, uh, much more mainstream. Uh, like most of them are pretty similar. Uh, they're kind of cut from the same cloth. Mike Smith's on his own. I, I hope that he can stay healthy and the, the Oilers can figure it out because I, you know, they're back in the playoff in, in a playoff position. Ironically, you know, for as bad as they were, now at this point, you know, a seven and two record. They won three in a row uh, under uh, their new new head coach, Jay Woodcroft, and Stuart Skinner looks really good. But now, with two games in hand on Vegas, Edmonton goes out and wins these two games. They're ahead of Vegas <laughs> for I mean, all okay, the concern. So- I mean, they weren't that far <laughs> back, and it's amazing how how quickly in one week, all of a sudden, you go, oh. They're like the same as Vegas. <laughs> yeah, here's the other funny Grand part of that Vegas. too, right? So Dave Tippett was their their head coach prior, right, for those right. who don't know. He was considered probably one of the best defensive coaches in the game. But yet in three games since they brought in Jay Woodcroft, they've only allowed three goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, what the frick? He could never figure it out. It was the weirdest thing. Right. Uh, oh, good times. Well, uh, we are off next week because I am going to Florida. Uh, Lucky so, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna escape the escape the snow. I have to go plow right now, <laughs> so that I can get out of my driveway <laughs> tomorrow. Uh, but other than that, that that will hopefully be my biggest hurdle. Uh, besides, you know, hauling an 18 month old down from Michigan to Florida. Uh, like 18, yes, 19 hour drive. That. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. It's funny. Two different people, exact same phrasing. They were like, ah, hopefully you can get to the airport with all the snow. I'm like, no, like it was my dad and like uh, a guy that we hang out with all the time. And he knew that we were driving. And he's like, dude, you, like both of them were driving, not flying. Oh, you are? Oh, good luck. <laughs> like both of them. Same exact thing. You're, oh, you're, you're driving down there with an 18 month old? Yes, we have toys. I don't know. We have an iPad. That's supposed to solve everything, right? That's what they say. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, you can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. Thanks for listening. Hit that subscribe button, and we will talk to you in like 10 to 12 days, I'd say. Uh, but we'll, we'll be taking next week off. We'll, we'll see you in March.